brand is more important than it's ever been. Companies that grew up with passerby readers are dead. And if you don't have a consumer who's actively looking for your content, it is very difficult to build ancillary business models. If you look at what Snapchat's doing with advertising and storytelling, it's clear that digital can be more than the thing that we think it is. Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. This week, I'm joined by Ashley McCollum, General Manager of BuzzFeed's Tasty. Um, you've probably seen Tasty videos, a lot of hands in pans, um, food videos, uh, wildly popular, particularly on Facebook, but on other platforms. Ashley, welcome. Thank you for having me. We've known each other for years, and yet this is the first time we've met. So many years, so many emails. I could I search my inbox, and it I would know. be You would get mad vast. at something, something we wrote, and you would email me. So give me the big number. Give me the bit. Everyone comes here, and they give me um, giant numbers of video views that mm -hmm. they're racking up on these platforms. Everyone's got one. What's your big number? I you know, there's there's so many. Uh, yeah, well, what I would say is that the the most interesting recent um, stat that we've seen is we reach one in two Americans on Facebook every month, um, on, you know, online Americans, which is very cool. Um, but we recently got some uh, research back that said 67% of the audience has actually made a tasty video at home. Um, and 50% say they actually make them um, regularly or every month. Okay. So, so these are the numbers you end up talking about more than the tubular stats that say 1.8 billion. You can talk about, we can talk about those numbers. Okay. They're strong numbers. If you don't have the big views and the big reach, it's hard to get the impact. And so, yeah, they're, they're, they're both So that's important. the top of the funnel. It's still relevant, that number, because I feel like we went through a period where everyone was just focusing on raw number of views that yeah. were reaching to basically the population of the earth. Um, and or, or so they say. Yeah, well, everyone has, you know, you guys have some of the biggest numbers of the big numbers, right? Um, and I'm wondering how relevant that giant number is anymore because let's face it, a lot of these are, are fleeting views. Sure. Um, I think that they are relevant if it means something. Right. So having all this scale has to mean something more than giving these clients better CPVs. Like it, there's like you can't reach one in two Americans for real and it not have some bigger cultural impact on the world. Like that's what a waste of our time and energy if, if it's literally just to drive some CPV down for a client. Um, and so that's kind of the thing that I ha like wake up thinking about. And I'm like, what is the point of having the biggest franchise on Facebook? And the largest food channel on YouTube, if it doesn't mean something in people's lives, like great if it makes a nice business or a nice story for this podcast. Um, and so I've been obsessed with what is the actual impact of, of a user who watches a tasty video? Mm -hmm. Like how many people actually make these things, right? That's really- um, So that's a metric, people actually taking action? That's what I'm obsessed with and what we're now really kind of building the tasty business around is, is that insight is that people are actually making this stuff at home. You go to any room, I speak to rooms of people a lot and, and I say, how many of you know tasty? Nine out of 10 say, you know, raise their hand, 10 out of 10 on a good day. Um, and then I say, how many of you actually made something from tasty at home? And usually five out of 10 raise their hand. It happens all the time and I just knew it can't just be these views. Like it can't just be this massive scale. Like something's happening after they turn their phone off that we don't capture that value and we're not seeing it. Um, and so my whole strategy and, and the team that I work with, um, that's what we focus on now is 
imagine the life of a tasty user you watch a video but then if you actually do something with it in your real life there's this longer story that we don't capture so that's why we make products that you can now buy and and, and they're doing very well so kitchen products in your actual kitchen talking to gro- national grocers to figure out how do we actually make tasty and be a part of in-store um experiences mm-hmm. so you know it, you can't do that if people are actually aren't using your like content in their real lives by the way you know buzzfeed you've written about us for years our whole point of view in the world is not um just that you consume media it's the way you and i would use media between us to create a better relationship so if we can start to measure that i think it's a much more powerful metric if we can mm-hmm. say we reach billions you know like have billions of views and reach hundreds of millions of people but also they're actually going in store and making this stuff and buying well, this stuff. Well, that sounds a lot better to an advertiser, right? I, I mean, that if, if you can drive real-world action versus um, someone was on their phone and they were waiting for the bus and they flipped by a, a video for three seconds. Yep. Um, and, hey, that counts as a view. It counts. Um, it, you know, both things happen, of course. Like, we get yeah. lots of people. You watch tasty videos that you never made, right? Same here. Um, but... It's not just about advertising. Like, of course, it's great if we can figure out how to capture the value of someone, you know, going full funnel, um, you know, being exposed to a video and then actually doing it in real life and buying the ingredients or buying the products. That's great. I think maybe what's more important, though, is how do we make Tasty a like 50 year brand? Well, yeah. I mean, they're hand in hand, right? I mean, there's there was this sort of. I don't know, easy money time of a lot of social publishing that people racked up big numbers. It used to be big page view numbers, and then it became big video numbers. But let's face it, they weren't able to monetize um, a lot of those, and they weren't building something lasting. I mean, that's why Upworthy went away. That's mm-hmm. why Viral Nova, I think it's gone away, but I don't even know. Uh, um, if, if we don't know, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, it didn't. I think the big test for a brand is if it goes away, will, will someone miss you? Yep. So give me the metrics you have that Tasty is building other than hands going up in a room is building a lasting brand. Because, I mean, it's yeah. only been two years, so I don't want to like, Yeah, you know. um, these are like my favorite questions. No one ever asks oh, me wow. the questions that I think about every, every night. Um, yeah, so, you know, I didn't know, um, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I didn't 100% know that we were building a lasting brand and probably until this time last year. Uh, big book publishers had come to us um, t- time and time again to make a tasty cookbook. It seems like the most obvious thing, you know, p- first product to make. Um, and they uh, they said, oh, it's going to take us like nine months to make it. I'm like, what is tasty going to be in nine months? Like, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. That just seems crazy to me. Um, and we acquired, uh, do you know Ben Kaufman? Uh, yes. Who runs our product labs? Um, if he hasn't come in here, he should. I'll just make a little pitch for Ben. Okay. Um, so anyways, we acquired uh, Ben Coffin's company and he came in to launch BuzzFeed Product Labs, which takes BuzzFeed Insights and makes products really fast turn and then takes BuzzFeed intellectual property um, like Tasty and turns that into um, like IRL products. And uh, so anyway, on, on Ben's like third day, it was like a Saturday morning, I woke up and sent him an email at like eight in the morning and I said, what about like a personalized um, cookbook? You know, like what, like we've been talking to these publishers forever, but it just doesn't feel quite right. What if your cookbook could be as personal as your Facebook newsfeed? Um, and he replied like within three minutes and was like, yes, we should do it. Like I'll work on it now. Um, that was like 
late October, um, late November, we launched a personalized cookbook. Had our expectations for sales were ten thousand um, units, which I think was would be pretty interesting if we could get ten thousand people to buy a custom cookbook, which had recipes you could get online mm-hmm. already. Um, is 40 bucks also. Um, we never had a paid relationship to the user. We'd always given away our content for free and been ad supported. Um, and we sold 150,000 cookbooks. And like our biggest issue was customer service because we didn't have enough people to like talk to the Well, users. it's also, it's a different business then. It's a, di- oh, of course. It was a I mean, because everyone like, wants to get into commerce, but then like if you're really gonna, then all of a sudden you're holding product, you might have warehouses. I mean. So this, this funny you say that, um, it was all printed on demand because it was personalized. So we did, we had no um, product or inventory risk. Um, it was all printed on demand. Every single book was different. We we ha- found this amazing printer um, that could do on-demand mm-hmm. printing. And, so you and sold 150,000? Um, just in, in Q4 last year. Okay. Yeah. So and sold. so, and that was the moment for me when I was like, oh, I understand when I'm, what I have the opportunity with Tasty. Like to me, you know, it could have gone a lot of different ways, right? There's lots of different businesses. It could have been this just big flash in the pan and, and like that would be nice. But that moment was, I said, okay, like, I have a much bigger brand on my hands. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. Um, maybe maybe you know this from reporting on us, but we've not really obsessed with, like, brands at BuzzFeed or, like, the, the concept of the brand. Like, if you talk to anyone who works at BuzzFeed, we don't, we don't obsess over that because, like, the obsession has always been the audience. So if you obsess over a brand, you kind of, like, lose your way with the audience a little well, bit. Well, it's internal. I mean, obsessing. You know, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I mean, I think a lot of times the brand exercise is viewed as like a little bit um, navel gazing. Yeah, yeah, and but like there was never a brand book for BuzzFeed. There was never a brand book for Tasty. Like we didn't yeah. have, we just didn't operate that way. We like we made decisions based off of what the audience told us, not what we told ourselves. And so it was actually a, a really big shift internally. We, you know, to manage Tasty as a brand first is a very different way than we've managed the rest of BuzzFeed. Um, so um, so that moment, like, it's not like a big stat for you, but like that moment was the moment I realized I had to change the way we um, way we manage this brand. Mm-hmm. So is the thought then that the model will be a lot more than just integrating, and it's not just, but integrating brands within these videos? Um, the business model. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get to 50%. Um, advertising 50% non-advertising um revenue pretty pretty soon and what's next the few non-advertising years. it's it's so we're gonna have to sell a lot of cookbooks we do sell a lot of cookbooks it's pretty good you move um, you move merch we it's not see here's the thing <laughs> when you hear about people getting into commerce and you hear about people getting into merch it feels like passing like the same way maybe you sell like a water bottle at like the front desk like it's not um, that is probably what most people do. What I have seen in this business is a much more sustainable, massive opportunity. It's essentially, I mean, it really, I like have said this before, all the big media companies, all the studios, Disney, NBC, everyone, they build a franchise like a movie or a show and then they like monetize the heck out of it. It's not just ads, right? Like they put it in a theme park. They Yeah, Star Wars, it's going to be with us till we die. Exactly. And why is it that it's so insane that a digital entity that has such big reach, like we said mm-hmm. with Tasty, why is it so insane that we do the same thing? Because most of the digital brands that are building gigantic reach are not culturally significant like a Star Wars or like the Disney franchises you're you're talking about. 
And I would say that's for two reasons. They don't have as much awareness and reach. And two, because it's just new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Tasty's been around for two years. And the fact that we already have like 50% awareness in, in America is pretty insane, you know, to do that in two years. Um, but I think that I think that we're just on the beginning stages. If you can build something with massive reach um, and, that you know, has massive awareness immediately, like you do with Tasty, and that people actually love the brand, which... You know, we couldn't, by the way, we didn't like sit around our room and say like, you know what we should do? Like build a brand that people love, like never, like Mm -hmm. literally never. That conversation has never happened. Um, People just love Tasty. There was this like, like beautiful combination of, of like the format of like our point of view on food. I mean, people talk a lot about the format, which is fair um, because it is a big deal that we, you know, we're able to like crack this thing that's now been replicated, replicated across the internet. But it's really kind of our point of view on food, which I, I think is like maybe more interesting. So, you know, 90% of food media before Tasty was like shot in a big fancy kitchen. You know, like you, yeah. you literally watch it like passively on your couch. It's in this like 16 by nine. You know, it's like someone you like maybe aspire to be like, you know, it's, you know, a creme brulee you would never make. Um, and so food media was not about you. It was about like what maybe you aspire to be or like, you know, it was not about the act, is the connection to you. And so our point of view on food is that like, it's about what you would be able to make. It's what you would want to mm-hmm. tag your friend in to say, let's do this this weekend. So um, it's just a very different point of view. And I think that is maybe even more interesting. We had your uh, BuzzFeed's publisher in here, Dal Nguyen, um, and she talked about being the sort of R&D lab of the media industry because Tasty did... Um, I think you guys pioneered, unless you found someone like in Slovakia that was doing the hands, the overhead hands shot beforehand and just copied them. But you certainly popularized um, that overhead shot. Um, and now it's sort of everywhere. I'm th- I think yeah. about like now this news, like now everyone does now this news stuff. Yeah. Does that make it more difficult to have a distinctive brand in a feed environment when people are going past a lot of stuff that looks alike? Uh, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that it's it kind of becomes like the Kleenex issue. Like everything kind of looks like tasty and that's like kind of good for us and also bad. Um, yeah, I uh, I think that we are very used to this at BuzzFeed. Like, you know, maybe I don't, um, maybe Dal said something similar. We, we have kind of gotten used to this idea that like we do something and then like it yeah. often, if it is successful. She did say, you guys are lining up. Oh, she said, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I did not compare (laughs) notes though. I will, though I will call her after. Um, so we are used to it, but the interesting thing about tasty is that, um, so I've been at Buzzfeed for almost six years and have seen, you know, things we did that were successful be replicated. By the way, people don't replicate the unsuccessful things, but, um, as they shouldn't. Um, but it happened much faster with tasty, which was interesting. Like it took in, in, uh, for BuzzFeed, like like lists and quizzes, I mean, it took like a good year and a half for people to really take on, you know, catch on, and like entire companies sprung yeah. up. You know, there was an enti- there was an entire company. Um, I can't I can't even remember the name. There was it was a quiz company, and their like logo kind of looked like ours, and mm-hmm. and like we were like all oh, like you know in a tizzy, and I'm sure there were lots of stories that were like, is BuzzFeed gonna die because this like quiz company is like you know just as good as them, and like I can't even remember their name anymore. And but that took years, and for Tasty, you know, we've been around for for two years, and now there are over a thousand Facebook pages that do very similar work to what 
we do. And that's all happened um, very quickly. So I think the cycles have, have accelerated. So do you have to change the game then? I mean, where does Tasty go next with, uh, um, I mean, is it longer form? Because that's what I always wonder is it's one thing to get a fleeting view in a, in a feed. Um, and everyone talks about TV. It's another yeah. thing to have people who stick around for 15 minutes or a half hour. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we'll, I think we'll do a TV show this year. I think that, you know, we, the little known fact stat, if you're asking for stats I about, stats. You, I'm sure you hate them. I love um, them because <laughs> they're tangible evidence. A lot of people come here with things that they, I can't question because yeah. they're just like sort of so vague. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we have a huge YouTube channel, which that channel has a mix of like tasty, tasty videos that you know and love um, and original shows that we've built everything from um, a nine minute series about, uh, about like how to cook an egg, um, to, you know, a full, you know, 10 minute show of, of looking at the best, um, the tastiest restaurants in LA, um, how to cook an egg. It's a little bit more complicated. I mean, nine minutes on that. Oh yeah. You, I mean, is it that complicated? Well, there's different ways to cook the egg. That's there's true. Like the there frying, are there's ways. the poaching. I'd love <laughs> to see you. Ways. I'd love to see you poach an egg right now. Uh, it's actually pretty tough. I think I could poach an egg. We give you some tips. Okay. That's fine. Um, so, so we do, you know, we obviously are, we want to play a bigger role in the life of the user. We don't want to just be a fleeting moment in their newsfeed. We don't. So you're not a Facebook media brand. I mean, cause a lot of times, I mean, most of your, whatever the giant, what is the giant number? 1.8 billion. Um, the, October will probably hit, we'll, we'll do 1.8 billion more. We have it. We have a day left. So we'll see. Is that all Facebook? That's just Facebook. I mean, right. we have, you know, much, many more views on Snap and YouTube and, and on Right, but Facebook is what, like 80%, 90%? You know, I don't know. I, we don't, I, I literally have never looked at that because it's just not the way we would measure it. But but Facebook is the beating heart of, of Tasty and it, right. and it is the core of what we do. So I'm, Right, yeah, but true. you have to diversify um, your platforms and you are diversifying um, on yeah. the different platforms. Yeah, we had just launched our own app um, and website. Mm -hmm. um, so the Tasty app has uh, 4 million downloads since July 28th, which is like pretty insane. Um, and people use it every day to cook. And it's it's really back to kind of like us talking about like bottom of funnel or, or like that deeper user experience. Um, that's the role we see the Tasty app playing. If you don't have it, please download it mm -hmm. um, on iOS. But um, it's really made for cooking and shopping. Like it's different than than you know your experience on on Facebook or on YouTube. It really is made for you in the kitchen. Like the the vision that we had for that app was like, what can we do that we can't do on Facebook? You know, and what it's really hard. Like if you've ever tried to have you ever made a tasty video, a tasty no. recipe? Man, rough crowd. What about you? <laughs> yes, one out of two. Producer, what did I tell you? Our producer Didi has. Didi has sheepishly agreed. Okay. Great. Well, there you go. There's my 50%. Okay, that's 50%. There we go. I just put it on on, uh, on test in front of everyone. Um, so what it's actually really tough experience to make a tasty recipe at home, right? You have to like, if you're making it off the Facebook video, you're like going back and forth and like yeah. it's this really tightly edited thing. And so we said, well, why is it, again, we know people are making this stuff at scale. We post a video on a Saturday morning that is, um, it was a, we just did one recently that is just a great example um, of time saving a sheet pancake. So you put the um, pancake batter into like a, a sheet and then, and you put it in the oven and it makes you like big batch pancakes. You don't have to like go through and like, mm -hmm. do the whole thing on the pan. Um, and, uh, and like within hours people are uploading, like I just made this for my family. Like what an amazing, like hours later. Um, so 
that's just one recent example. So we knew people were doing this stuff, but we were not capturing any of that. Like we were only in like the inspiration phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the app, we were like, we need to be in their kitchen. Like what is the way we can be in their kitchen? It's not going to be on Facebook. Like that's not going to be the platform that does that for us. So the app has uh, an ability to uh, go a step-by-step mode. So it, t- it actually takes, it's very nerdy, um, but it takes the metadata of the written recipe and the metadata of the actual video and connects the two together. The written recipe format was literally built for a cookbook. It's like built for an eight and a half and a, by 11 piece of paper. So, you know, you know, like the web, the web um, cooking experience actually really stinks. Um, so, you know, when you're like on someone's blog and you're like trying to read yeah. the recipe and you go down to the bottom, you have to like go through all these ads and like, you know, go through this like whole thing and you're like, I just want to know like how to make the chicken. And then you like get down and they're like, okay, pour two cups of flour or pour flour. And you're like, how many cups? And you have to scroll back to the top. And it's like this terrible experience. Right. Um, our tech team was able to figure out how do we like modernize the the recipe format to actually help you cook. Um, and then we'll be integrating commerce into the app. So like by the end of the year, we'll have revenue per user. And it's really like what I would say, at least much closer to the bottom of funnel for us. Quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus, our membership program. It is your way to getting exclusive content, research. We do events here. We have a Slack town hall. Um, it's really great. And uh, it is less than $400. So please consider being a member. Visit uh, digiday.com and you will see the Digiday Plus icon at the top. So you're trying to have a, more of a direct connection with your users. And I know you're going to say it's not to diversify from Facebook, but to an outsider, it would seem like if 80% plus, maybe it's up to 90% of your connections to your user are through one platform, um, uh, that would be a risk. I mean, one, it's a benefit because in two years, you've gone you know, from zero to you know, half of Americans mm-hmm. you know, knowing your brand. So awesome. Facebook. Without Facebook, that doesn't happen. Right. Right. The downside would be, and we hear from publishers all the time, Facebook is fickle. They change. Oftentimes, it's still difficult to monetize. Um, You can't monetize people on Facebook the same as you can monetize them on your app or on your site. Um, So explain to me why you'd said before that it's not an important metric that you look at the diversification from Facebook to other um, ways that you reach your audience. Well, I I think that... I mean, you said, I, I won't say that we're trying to diversify from Facebook. Yeah, I will say that. It's I fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that everyone in the industry is like pretty comfortable with that idea. Like it's any smart business person has a certain level of diversification. Like, you know, that's just smart business. Um, I would say that I don't think about it in that I think that there's some magic mix of percent of traffic that is like a comfortable amount. Like the Facebook... Uh, ecosystem or the like total audience that we have there feeds all these other platforms like how would we have become the biggest you know youtube channel if it weren't for this big brand and audience we built on facebook so Mm -hmm. like i think it's just kind of like a false choice to say that you have to like diversify in order to get away from facebook like we i totally disagree with that like facebook has been huge for us to grow but also grow in other places and it's been this just like beating heart so i just don't think Mm -hmm. about it that way like but I, a beating I, heart, so a beating heart to me says that without Facebook, you die. I think that we have, we were built on, on Facebook and, and like we've done and, you know, done amazingly mm-hmm. well there. And we, we, you know, we work really, you know, closely with them. And 
So I think that it's largely where you're, you experience tasty now. And I think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that like Facebook's not, um, I, I, I highly doubt that there's going to be a place where Facebook just like cuts out, you know, tasty in some way that is like this weird conspiracy, you know, conspiratorial thing. No, I wouldn't think that they would go after tasty. Why would they do that? But they, they might, I mean, so we had a publishing event um, in Berlin last week and it was at the time where they, there was tests going on in a few smaller markets in Europe and Asia in which they were separating out um, uh, media content in a different feed, the yep. Explore feed. And uh, I think one Slovakian publisher had published some pretty alarming stats about what that did to organic reach. There's a lot of discussion is, is organic reach going to zero? I mean, it did for brands. And this is, you know, Facebook has a pattern of doing this. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, I, how many, what do you have, like 40, 80 million fans on? Yeah. Uh, just the main page just hit 90 million. Okay, 90 but, million. And then generally we have like about 120 million. Yeah, so, you know, the idea would be Facebook would just say, okay, if you want to reach them, you got to pay. I mean, they did this to brands. I don't see why they don't do it to, to media. Um, it's not something that keeps me up at night. Like I think that at BuzzFeed, what I've learned from Jonah is that if you provide value to a platform, platform, they provide value back to you. And if mostly, but actually I should clarify that if you provide value to the users of a platform, that's like really what matters. It's not to like employees or the executives at some platform, like who cares? Um, if you actually provide value to to the users on a platform, more likely than not, um, you you have a lasting place there. If you're trying to game a platform, like, yeah, you might be screwed if they make a change. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, I know how much value we pr provide to users on Facebook. So um, of my list of things that I worry about at night, like, it's just not, it's just not in the top five. It's not. How about the monetization there? Because uh, Jonah did say recently that Facebook's got to do a better job. I mean, I don't think this is a very controversial statement, but um, that they got to do a better job in, in, in providing revenue for, for publishers. It's one thing to provide value to um, Facebook users and keep them on their platform. Facebook loves yeah. that and stuff like this. But they are behind, it would seem, with their mid-roll program and various others, in actually providing um, commensurate value back to publishers. Yeah, I mean, I think it still goes back to the same thing. We we know we provide a lot of value to to Facebook, the platform, and, and the users on Facebook, and we would love to capture a, that value back in monetization. So that's um, particularly true for Tasty. I mean, we. I mean, the the value that we capture in terms of you know the you know the the back and forth is is very small compared to the the value we've provided to these users. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of the game. I mean, we've been around for two years. Like we are, you know, we cranking away on on monetization doing very well um you know our growth this year is is phenomenal and um so i i you know i i agree with jonah but i would say that um even without extra support or whatever at extra ad products from from facebook um we've been able to to prove a, a pretty strong business you know i remember um, when I was Jonah's chief of staff um, a few years ago, we rolled out what was called the distributed media strategy, um, mm -hmm. which now is like this very commonly used phrase, or I think maybe, maybe people stopped using it. I don't know. Um, but at the time, it was like this insane thing kind of based off of what we're talking about, which was you're putting content in directly in the feeds of users. Like what? Like how are you going to monetize it? How are you going to get the data back? Um, and I don't know if those questions have been answered now. Well, so I would disagree and say that like for years, right, we had to answer the, every story about BuzzFeed's distributed media strategy ended with a question mark. Can they monetize it? Can they build a business? Um, and well, you, can you monetize it at all? 
Or can you monetize it to at scale to the level that you monetize direct audience? I mean, because clearly you can't monetize it to the level you can direct audience. Well, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. If you had a website that was getting uh, uh, one out of two Americans regularly coming to, you would monetize it at a higher level. There's no way. I, Right, but the ecosystem. If you had one point eight billion views on your player, you would monetize at a much higher rate. I right? think. I think that the uh, again, it's like a false choice. I think that the idea that that is an option on its own, right, with or without, it's always billion. a mix, right? right. Like BuzzFeed right. is still one of the biggest websites in the world and in the country, and does incredibly well monetizing our own properties. Tasty is largely social video on other mm-hmm. platforms. And I think that it's fine that we have a mix. Um, I don't, it's not like representative of, of the world right now and the way users actually mm-hmm. consume media to say that it's like one right. or the other. It's both. So it's there is this, both. there is this fear though of, of algorithms. We hear it right, like regularly. Um, someone just tweeted uh, the other day, I think it was Max Benwell from, from the independent in the UK. Um, uh, he, tweeted some crowd tangle stats that showed tasty interactions on Facebook dropping from 74 million in May, 2016 to I think it was 20 million last month. Are those accurate? Um, so I saw that tweet. It was yes. the first time I'd ever seen that metric um, interactions. Like I'm never, not sure. I think that, that those are likes, comments, um, sticker share. reactions. Yeah, like stickers. it's, I've like literally never, not a, ki- not a KPI for you. Yeah. I've not, I doubt it's a KPI for anyone. Um, I mean, I don't, I've never had a conversation with, you know, the phrase interactions in it. Um, but we did look into it. I think it's fair mm-hmm. to like look into something like this. Um, at least this metric, that I, which we don't really subscribe to, looks like it's down across the industry. It's not just us or it's not just food, food publishers. Mm-hmm. It looks like everyone. Um, and it's just not something that, that we would, you know, ever look at. Tasty certainly has had its up months and down months. September, which is the one he was kind of looking at, was not our you know best month. October, we have we have a you know very yeah. good month. It goes it goes up and is down. Is that but- hard to manage the business though? When I'm sure if you looked back at September, maybe you didn't. The, did you look back? At September it was like, yeah, we didn't we didn't ha- we didn't do a great job, you know, because there are months here that we sort of have that. Um, but when you're reliant on an algorithm, you could have had like. a, a a great month in what you in execution, mm-hmm. but at the same time you had a bad month in results. Well, it's always a moving target. I mean, that's the thing. People want there to be some playbook, and they often look at BuzzFeed for that playbook um, of how to like capture these like social platforms or whatever. And the truth is, and you talk to any of our producers, the moment you know exactly what to do or exactly how to optimize or the exact right length or the right content strategy, like it shifts. And, you know, so um, you're, we're constantly looking back to what Dow said. It is an yeah. R&D engine. And so like, you know, we've been monitoring this stuff for months and and we do it and we look at it every day and we dig in and obsess over it. But like, you know, if you, if, if you want to be in this game and you want there to be a playbook that lasts for you for two quarters, like you're in the wrong game. So you just got to, Keep changing. You're constantly chugging away. This is like why we invest in data science and tools is because you like, if you sign up to, you know, produce content for users and the where users are now are in social feeds, um, then you have to constantly obsess over over that. And actually what gets other publishers in trouble is when they copy us, but they don't know why they're copying us. 
Like they like see us do something and they start to shift to do that thing. Mm -hmm. But like we are testing this whole other thing in like in like a lab and trying to figure out, you know, something about a platform or figure out like why users are operating, changing, you know, things or like, are they commenting more? Are they doing this less? Um, And then publishers start copying us and we're like, they have no idea, you know, like what they're Mm -hmm. actually copying us for. Um, And I think that's like kind of, um, that's actually an interesting question you didn't ask me, but I'll ask myself. Um, people often copy Tasty's format, right? Which is fair because it's not Game of Thrones. Like it's literally a format that's like easier to copy. It's fairly cheap to produce compared to something like Game of Thrones, right? Um, But what is very challenging to copy is what's underneath all that. Why do these things work? Why do people connect with them? What is the latest and greatest on these, sorry, on these social platforms um, and that's very hard to to copy, and and so so it's more complicated than an overhead shot of hands making delicious food. If it were as easy <laughs> as it looks, then everyone could. Well, do everyone it. is doing it. Doesn't mean that, but you know, not at the scale, not you know, yes. not with the level of of expertise. So, final thing is, talk to me more about the 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 shift to TV. Um, you said it's going to happen this year. I'm going to hold you to this because Buzzfeed has talked a lot about TV and stuff and movies, and I don't see them. Um, why is it important? Like, why not just stay Facebook, Instagram, YouTube? I wouldn't say it's the most important thing. That it's not. That no, I said, why is it important? Yeah, I think that you know we we want to play in that space. It's still largely a, a very popular space in terms of advertisers, right? We want mm-hmm. we get actually what is most interesting. We get asked to do this at. at you know, like every day from advertisers who say, we we would love if you, if Tasty had a TV show, like we would totally buy out all the inventory. Like we, and we're like, oh, interesting. Like we're kind of like into where we are on social video, but like, you know, we, we should look into it. So I think there's other ways to do it. I mean, we have a morning show, AM to DM, which mm-hmm. is on Twitter, but like kind of looks and feels like a real proper morning show, but like with a totally, you know, Buzzfeed twist and, and point of view. I think there's other ways we could do it than maybe like traditional linear like television. But um, why do you think the brand translates to a TV environment? Because it's very much grew up in social video. It's very good at social video. It's mm-hmm. very known for social video. Um, why do you think that translates to a sort of lean back, put on the TV? I don't think we'd do it just like that. I think that we'd have to, we're going to, the, the biggest challenge with making a tasty linear show is not like could we get a deal done or could we do it it's more just like how could we rethink the traditional cooking formats or traditional walk and talk formats um that doesn't feel quite like us so i don't think we would just like take our name and like slap it on a show that doesn't feel like something like a celebrity chef show yeah yeah i mean we have some stuff like that on you on youtube that has like a tasty you know like connective tissue um, but I don't. I don't think that's what we what we do on TV. Um, so I, the biggest challenge would be like the development of a show that feels like the brand. So I don't. I don't have you know an update there. But um, you know the the demand for it is overwhelming. We you know we have you know lots of conversations in the works. But um, it's not you know it's not the biggest priority for me. If it doesn't happen in in eighteen, I'm not going to like feel like it's a failure. But um, but I think it probably will. Okay. Finally, how many people are working on Tasty now? It's like oddly a complicated question because, um, but because Tasty grew out of BuzzFeed, right? Mm-hmm. So if it was a standalone company, you'd have to like 
build a legal team and you know, and all these people, right? Well, so we have about 50 across the world who work on tasty every day. If you add, you know, we have a dedicated tech team. That's incredibly efficient to generate that much audience. Thank you. Good job, Ashley. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) How many people do you have working here? Uh, we have, we're about 80. Okay. All right. So I'm beating you on the cost model. Probably. We had a couple people. I know (laughs) we don't reach, we don't reach 1.8 billion. Different models. We reach 1.6 billion. (laughs) Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. And come back next week for a new episode.